0: Hey guys, it's Paul. Usually, I don't like to date these episodes, but it is about 6 in the evening on December 5th, 2017, and I am just putting the finishing touches on the episode that you're about to hear, and I just wanted to really quickly say thank you. Back in October, the first-ever Discover Pods Awards began taking nominations, and quite frankly, I kind of ignored it. I didn't really campaign to be nominated or anything, so... Imagine my surprise when I went there last Friday to vote for some other podcasting friends of mine and there the Varmins podcast was listed as one of the finalists in the best kids and family podcast section. Man, it took me a good 20 seconds to sit there and process what I was actually looking at. You Varminians put us there in a group of some other really wonderful podcasts and Donna and I really, really appreciate that so much. It was a wonderful unexpected surprise so if you want to vote for us go to discoverpods.com you have until 6 p.m eastern standard time on december 14th 2017 to vote for us to maybe win best kids and family podcast wouldn't that be something all right well thanks again and on with the show you are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production.
1: Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com/slash Blazing Caribou Studios.
0: Well, hello, and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name's Paul. I'm not an animal expert.
2: I'm Donna, and I am also not an animal expert. Today, we are talking about the wonderful walrus.
0: But first, Apple Podcast Reviews. All right, we got another big batch of reviews on Apple Podcast or iTunes. I'd still call it iTunes. My computer still calls it iTunes. I don't know where this Apple podcast thing. Yeah, they need to change it from. across
2: everything because it's not. yeah, it's not changed yet. We're
0: supposed to call we're supposed to call it Apple Podcast yeah. now. But anyway, some people said some really nice things about us on Apple Podcasts. So we're gonna start with Lacey u twenty eight. she said really fun. I heard Paul on podcasts we listen to with Jeremy Collins. Thank you for listening to that. I knew about varmints before, but didn't start listening until after that interview. It's a fun show, charming and educational, too. I have a lot of episodes to catch up on, and I'm happy about that. Definite animal fan. And this show makes me love them even more. Thank you, Lacey. Ah, nice. And
2: then we have one from Sam Cooper. This show is a blast. I'm not an animal expert, but Paul and Donna seem to know what they're talking about. Well, that's good to know. (laughs) Great fun and family friendly. If you like animals at all, give this show a listen. Sam from the Breakers podcast. Thanks, Sam.
0: Why Lime, Why Not? Says, so cute and educational. Paul and Donna do a great job presenting information in a fun way. It's like an audio version of Zoo Books from way back when. Do you remember Zoo Books? Nope. Nope, me neither. I learned so much about animals I never would have thought about before. And that is from Emily from the Story Behind podcast. Thank you, Emily.
2: Hey, we got one from Story Spectacular.
0: Story Spectacular.
2: (laughs) She says, my new favorite show. I love animals, especially the ones with a bad reputation. (laughs) Us too, we like the bad ones. That is why I'm excited to have discovered Varmints. Paul and Donna bring you fascinating information with a high dose of humor. A great show for kids and adults alike. Highly recommended. Hey, thank you.
0: Thank you. And another great show for kids and adults alike is Story Spectacular. It's meant for, like, little kids, but, boy, is it wonderful to listen to. Just delightful. And here's our next review from... I'm going to try to pronounce this right, but it looks like something that... Is probably supposed to be spelled backwards. I don't know what I don't know how to say this. So if this is your real name, I'm sorry. Aranel L- Lil, Lissil, Lissisol, Aranel Lissisol. Sure,
2: why not? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Ar- Aranel,
0: he, Aranel, Aranel Lissisol. Aranel, let's go with Aranel. Aranel, he or she says, "Yay." Paul and Donna are my favorite podcast hosts, and each episode reminds me of the days spent catching newts, frogs, and snakes in the stream not too far from my backyard. Thank you for feeding my voracious love of knowledge and animals. Yeah,
2: you are welcome. Thank you for listening. (laughs) And we're sorry for butchering your name. All right, we have uh, Hucker Steve. That's an easier one.
0: (laughs) Hucker Steve
2: says gut-bustingly funny, and you might learn something, too. This podcast is a hidden gem, but I think it won't stay that way for long. Paul and Donna have a chemistry that few other shows I listen to manage to rival. Thank you. Wow. Donna is a card, too, to say the least. (laughs) I am I'm completely serious all the time. (laughs) Uh, Keep up the great work, Varmint's team. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Parker wow, Stevie. Thank you, everybody, for your wonderful reviews. Yeah.
2: We appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. Well, just a reminder, go to BlazingCaribouStudios.com for links to the audio and our show notes for today's episode. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at at Varmint's Podcast, all one word, and at Varmint's Podcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. We also have a Pinterest board. You can find the link to that in our show notes at the bottom of the page. If you like the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and leave us a nice little rating and review. And now let's learn about the walrus. The kingdom of animals is fascinating. Now I'm going to tell you about their behavior and living pattern. So come on. What in
1: God's holy name are you blathering about?
0: We are blathering about walruses today. Walruses are the largest of the pinnipeds, which are a widely distributed and diverse clade of carnivorous, fin-footed, semi-aquatic marine mammals, which include seals, sea lions, and, of course, today's topic, walruses. Walruses are not too diverse. There's only two subspecies of walrus, the Pacific walrus and the Atlantic walrus. Both subspecies are physically and reproductively isolated, so they don't live together, and even if they did, they wouldn't be able to mate and make little walruses. The walrus has a large round body with limbs that have adapted over time as flippers. We know that because the flippers aren't like the fins on a fish, where they're mostly cartilage. They're actually like bony digits in the flippers, and there's claws there, too. They are sort of a cinnamon brown color, and of course walruses have very conspicuous tusks and whiskers. They get very, very large. So walruses are the largest of the pinnipeds. Pacific males can weigh as much as 4,400 pounds, although most weigh between 1,800 and 3,700 pounds. And the Pacific ones are a little bit larger than the Atlantic walrus. Even female Atlantic walruses get to be around 1,230 pounds. Very, very, very large animal.
2: Yep. Gigantic! (laughs) (laughs) They are big animals.
0: They're huge. Male walruses are called bulls, females are called cows, and babies are called calves. A group of walruses is called either a herd, a pod, or a huddle, and the word walrus is thought to have originated with the Old Norse word hrasvalr, which roughly translates to horse
1: whale.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that word was passed on into the Dutch and German language as walrus. And an alternate theory is that it comes from the Dutch words wall, which means shore, and rius, which is giant. So shore giant, hmm. maybe. And that is why the plural of walrus is not wal because it's a, either a Dutch or a German or an Old Norse word. It's not a Latin right. word. So walruses is the cl- correct plural form of that noun.
2: Hmm. Interesting. So did you know that walruses, do you know how they communicate with each other?
0: That's a good question. <laughs> I'm guessing grunts and groans and stuff like that.
2: All sorts of stuff. They have vocalizations, and they have physical interaction, and all sorts of stuff. They're really interesting. So, walruses, like, enjoy the company of other walruses. There is absolutely no doubt about that. <laughs> like, you look at them, and they're like, we're all hanging out together. And... <laughs> They have really thick skin that isn't sensitive to touch, like, at all. But they do engage in a lot of physical contact behaviors as a source of communication. So so they can tell they're being touched. It's just, I don't, I don't really understand what that means. It's not sensitive to touch. But they, they certainly can tell when they're touching each other. So I think that they just basically mean it's not, like... Like our skin, you know what I mean?
0: So <laughs> they get that sense like when you know somebody is staring yeah, at you. Yeah, they're
2: like, Hey <laughs> 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 um, so the whiskers on their face, which you're gonna talk about in a related to another thing later, uh, are super sensitive and they can they can sort of send messages to each other through their whiskers. If you ever see walruses kissing, they're just sort of talking. <laughs> <laughs> with their whisk- whiskers, they squish their faces. Their little
0: whiskers are going. Their whiskers are going. Dooley, dooley,
2: Hi, 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 hi. hi. <laughs> so each one of those little whiskers has its own nerve endings, and those transmit messages to the brain. So it's believed that when walruses come into physical contact with each other, they touch whiskers, which gives them a variety of positive sensations. So they also have vocal cords, and that allows them to make sounds when they're in the water as well as on the land. The males also have the ability to produce what sounds like bells under the water. So basically they they have these air sacs around the pharynx and they use these to help them make these bell sounds and it's to help them find each other in the water as well as to warn each other about predators. So it's pretty fun. And there are a whole bunch of distinct types of communication that you can hear walruses doing. They bark, they grunt, they whistle, they click. Uh, When young calves feel distressed or threatened, they'll bellow really loud for their mothers. (laughs) Oh, wow. And their mother knows exactly who it is that's talking, and they'll run over there. So aggression's really common to walruses because that's how they establish their social order. So they roar and cough and snort to try to intimidate the other walrus around them. And the males often use these kinds of communications when they're competing for mates, or for mating rights with a group of females, because the males have to sort it out together before they even approach the females. So they're able to use all their senses in order to effectively communicate with each other. They use sight, sound, and touch. It's interesting to watch how they'll communicate with each other on a regular basis. They're found in large herds and often are touching the whiskers of the other ones around them the mothers communicate in a lot of ways with the little ones as well her role is to teach them how to communicate so from time to time you'll even see them disciplining their young for certain behaviors (laughs) oh wow that's cool they'll be like stop it (laughs) 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 and they immediately learn the sounds of each other mama and baby so The way they communicate, even in large herds, is by sounds and all this kind of stuff. So it's really handy if the little one gets separated from its mom because she can tell, like, Ah, that's my kid. What are you doing, Billy? Come back here. (laughs) (laughs) So in captivity, they have to make sure that there are other walruses around because lone walruses are, like, super sad. They're just like, oh. They have to have other walruses around, or they don't thrive. And they it's uh they don't gain the weight that they should because they won't eat properly. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, no. So if you have a walrus, it's better off if you have more than one. Uh, many researchers are impressed with the advanced types of communication among walruses, and they seem to have a deep bond with a lot of the other herd members. And that's unusual for most animals. So... Since they use so many types of communication, there's plenty that everybody still needs to learn about. They need to really, I was watching a documentary and a lady said, uh, you know, if we studied walruses as much as we studied whales, we'd know a lot more about what's going on with all of this. But right now we kind of just don't. So,
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know, man. (laughs) It'll
2: have to be, we'll do, maybe we'll do a walruses update at some point if there's, as we see studies come out, so.
0: Yeah, that'd be cool. There was a walrus called E.T., and he used to live at the Point Defiance Zoo. And unfortunately, E.T. is no more, but there's a video on YouTube that has gotten about 3 million views. And uh, he, he's, he makes a range of different sounds in this video.
1: Speak! Yeah. <laughs> Roar! <laughs> Sputter. Oh. Rumble.
2: Whistle. Bell. So cool.
0: That bell one, I don't know if you could hear it or not, but that really does sound like an underwater bell. It's crazy. Yeah. And that whistle, holy cow. They've
2: got another walrus over at Point Defiance now. His name is Dozer, and they have started making videos of him making noises, training him to make noises too, so yeah.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's really
2: fun. They've got a good walrus program over there. We had some walruses at the Denver Zoo. I don't know if we do anymore. I haven't been in a while, but uh, hmm. <laughs> I haven't cool. seen them in a while, I should say. So...
0: so- One of the things that makes walruses so unique and just what they're known for are their tusks and what you had just touched on a little bit, those big, wonderful mustaches, right? Yeah. The tusks, they're pretty much just big teeth that are used to punch holes in the ice, and then the walruses use them to grab onto things, and they usually use them to fight and stuff, and they're really cool. But the whiskers are even cooler. (laughs) So those hair-like whisker things on their face are not hair at all. They're called mystatial vibrissa, and they're incredibly important tools for the walrus. There are between 400 and 700 Vibrissa in 13 to 15 rows on a walrus snout. Each individual Vibrissa has its own blood and nerve supply, like you mentioned, and they're all connected to a muscle. Roughly speaking, the Vibrissa act as very sensitive fingers, since the walrus doesn't really have arms and legs, but they have flippers. Also because the way the walrus's eyes are positioned, it can't see small objects directly in front of its face. And when a walrus is feeding, it's doing so in water that is very deep, very dark, murky because walruses dig up the bottom to find their food. So the walrus has long-range, medium-range, and short-range vibrissa that can detect size, shape, and vibration because all life on Earth vibrates just a little bit. Back in 1988, scientists in Holland did some studies on how walrus vibrissa work. And we'll link to those studies in the show notes because they're big, big long studies. And they found out basically that the long vibrissa are there to get a rough idea of if something is food or not. And then the medium and then finally the short vibrissa are for more detailed identification, like what kind of food it is and how big it is. The walruses with these vibrissa were able to detect very, very small circles and triangles. We're talking between 3 millimeters and 20 millimeters thick on both smooth and rough surfaces. Wow. Yeah. The smallest objects, the 3 millimeter objects on the rough surface. 3
2: millimeters?
0: 3 millimeters, yeah. Thick.
2: That is crazy small.
0: I know, it's unbelievable. So the smallest objects on the rough surface took the most time for the walrus to detect, and sometimes they would get frustrated and, and they couldn't find the, the object. But when they could find the object, it took them right around one second. So yeah, how walruses feed is pretty terrific. They'll swim down along the bottom and they'll use their snout to dig around for clams, and all the while those vibrissae are just going ding ding ding, ding 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 ding, and they're just rapidly feeling and detecting and sending sending signals to the brain and helping the walrus. Who is, for all practical purposes, blindfolded, and it helps them pinpoint where exactly the prey is. right? They'll also use those flippers to whoosh away the sediment, kind of like a uh, you know with a when an archaeologist uses a, a little brush to brush away the dirt, right. they'll use their flippers to do that. and then they can take in mouthfuls of water and squirt them at the floor and and actually use those water jets to excavate for clams. Nice. Yeah. So, a foraging walrus eats about six clams every second. Wow. Yeah. Adults can take in between 3,000 and 6,000 clams for every feeding session, and there are usually two feeding sessions a day.
2: Dang, dude. (laughs) Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Pretty amazing. That's crazy.
0: (laughs) Well, it's disclaimer time. The Varmints Podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence, but then we only really have the yardstick of ourselves to go by, so we're going to do it anyway. Yeah, well, you know that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Walruses seem fairly intelligent. Like, I don't know. I know you have maybe an issue with them, like taking commands at a zoo for food, and and that not maybe being intelligence. But I don't know. They seem somewhat I think smart.
2: It's a sign of intelligence, but not the sign. So okay, I mean trainability. I don't think is. That just shows that they, they're trainable. It doesn't show that they can problem-solve. That's the other part, right? So, Right. Can they problem-solve? Pro- limited, yeah, probably, in a limited way. They don't seem like the kind of animal that requires a lot of problem-solving, but then again, I don't know. They are a pinniped, and seals are pretty smart at at uh, solving problems and solving puzzles in laboratory conditions, and I wasn't able to find anything on the walrus specifically. Uh, but, uh, you know, the other pinnipeds can solve puzzles and stuff. So I don't know. Maybe they're up in the Why not? seven area. So
0: That's where I put them, too. I figured if you had like a dog-sized walrus that you could keep at home as a pet, you could probably train it. You could probably, you could probably teach it some tricks and stuff.
2: Well, again, to me, trainability is not that. I mean, I feel like my dogs are... My dogs are very trainable, but they are dumb. I'm sorry. (laughs) They are dumb as a box of hammers, my dogs. Actually, it kind of depends on how much trouble they're going to get into. Like, if they can... If they're not supposed to be doing something, then they're pretty smart at figuring things out. <laughs> it seems to be predicated on how much I don't want them to do something, how smart they're going to be about it. So, I don't know. I might have to reverse what I said then. Maybe they're evil geniuses, which I actually kind of like. So, um, But maybe... I guess we'll just say walruses are like seven-ish, you know, like around yeah. right around where the other pinnipeds are. And uh, and and maybe smarter and less smart on an individual basis. I don't know. but
0: I'll go along with yeah. that. Are we giving them style points?
2: See, this isn't the animal that I'm taking the style points away from. I, I don't know <laughs> if they're a ten, but I mean, they are, I think they're very recognizable. There's nothing else that looks like that. I mean, they're so...
0: I had an algebra teacher in high school that kind of looked like that.
2: With the big, long walrus mustache? Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I'll show you a picture of Mr. Spiegel later on. Cool. All right, well, well, we had to scrape and scratch for some pop culture references, and we have a few uh, interesting facts about walruses coming up, but we'll do that right after this message.
1: Hey guys, this is Mandy and Melissa from Moms and Murder, a true crime
2: podcast featuring two moms who think they're funny. Trust us guys, we are. Join us each week as we discuss both the infamous and unfamiliar stories in the world of true crime. You can check us out on our website at momsandmurder.com and also connect with us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. We release new episodes on Tuesdays, so we hope you'll check us out.
1: And now for something completely different.
0: Hey, you know, Donna and I, we're just a couple of nerds like you, and we don't see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk a little bit about where we see them most of the time on movies, TV, and video games. And I love this episode because today I get to reference two of my favorite things. Uh, First, the band Fish, who you heard at the beginning of the episode covering I Am the Walrus, which was originally by the Beatles. And now this one. Now, there are not a whole lot of well-known pop culture references to walruses, so this is going to be a bit of a stretch, but this is a good excuse to talk about this. So you're aware that one style of men's mustache is called the walrus mustache, right? Mm-hmm. So the walrus is a thick, bushy mustache that kind of hangs over the top lip or even over the entire mouth.
2: It's like Sam Elliott's mustache.
0: <laughs> like Sam Elliott's mustache, exactly. <laughs> My favorite pop culture wearer of the walrus mustache is this man.
2: Ready? Ready?
1: I was born ready. <laughs> I'm Ron <f-ing> Swanson. <laughs> my name is Ron Swanson, and I'm gonna tell you everything you need to know about the miserable, screwed up world of local government. <laughs> you mustering in your mustache. Don't sass me, Berkus. Let's get started. <laughs> Life, liberty, and property. It's John Locke. Under my tutelage, you will grow from boys into men from men into gladiators, and from gladiators into Swansons. (laughs) Behold, the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness. I've been developing the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness for years. It's a perfectly calibrated recipe for maximum personal achievement. Categories include capitalism, God's way of determining who is smart and who is poor. (laughs) Crying, acceptable at funerals and the Grand Canyon. Rage. Poise, property rights, fish for sport only, not for meat. Fish meat is practically a vegetable. (laughs) Haircuts, there are three acceptable haircuts. High and tight, crew cut, buzz cut. Are the scissors broken in your house, son? Hi there, is there a project you're working on? I know more than you. All right.
0: (laughs) And that of course is Ronald Ulysses Swanson as portrayed by actor Nick Offerman from the TV show Parks and Recreation. Ron Swanson is the director of the Parks and Recreation Department for the fictional town of Pawnee, Indiana. Ron, who, as you heard, has an extremely deadpan and masculine personality. He's a staunch libertarian who believes in the smallest government possible, so he actively works to make City Hall less effective, and he despises interacting with the public. (laughs) He loves meat, he loves woodworking, hunting, whiskey, breakfast foods, and pretty dark-haired women. He hates and fears his two ex-wives, who are both named Tammy, one of whom is played by Offerman's real-life wife, Megan Mullally. And the only times in the show where Ron's walrus mustache disappears or is severely altered are when he has succumbed to Tammy's charms. (laughs) Ron claims not to be interested in the personal lives of those around him, but he actually cares a great deal about his colleagues. Nick Offerman, the actor, his real-life woodworking abilities, saxophone playing and training in stage combat and kabuki dance were all made part of the character of Ron Swanson. And I would love nothing more than a well-written good, funny Ron Swanson spin-off show, but according to Nick Offerman that's something that will not happen and he doesn't want to reprise that role, role in, in any way. Unfortunately. Also worth noting uh, is that our friend Toph from the Gravity Beard podcast... Mm-hmm. One, he has a new baby girl, so congratulations, Toph. And two, hanging up in his office, he actually has the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness, (laughs) which I think is wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, Ron Swanson. Yep. Do you watch Parks and Recreation? I did
2: watch. I watched it for a little while, and then I got distracted by something else. So it's nothing to do with the show. It's just I'm not a sitcom kind of person.
0: You got past the first season, though, right? Nope. (laughs) Oh, you gotta get... Okay, that is why. (laughs) It gets way better after the first season.
2: I just... I'm not a sitcom sort of person. I have to watch so many soap operas to do the soap show that that takes up a... (laughs) Listen to me, I'm about to swear. (laughs) It takes up a ton of time, is what I was about to say. But you're gonna delete that. Uh... (laughs) Okay, so I actually got to pick a a cartoon at the last moment because I was going to talk about the World War II airplane, (laughs) the walrus, because I couldn't find anything else.
0: (laughs) I was really looking forward to that because I was going to make plane noises the whole time you were talking. I was just going to go...
2: Well, I mean, we can talk about it if you want.
0: No, I want to talk about your thing because I completely forgot about your thing and I grew up with your thing.
2: I did too, and the only reason I remembered it it was cuz Curtis reminded me this morning. He was like, "What about Chumley on the Tennessee Tuxedo show?" And I was like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> Why wasn't Chumley on the list of pinnipeds? I want to know. Cuz that was sad. I was like, "Did we did everybody forget Chumley?
0: We demand to know this, Wikipedia."
2: Yeah, Wikipedia, get your <laughs> <laughs> Get your poop together.
0: I have a friend that says, get your poop in a group.
2: (laughs) I like that too. (laughs) So Tennessee Tuxedo and His Tales was an animated cartoon series that originally aired on CBS from 1963 to 1966. And in reruns through our childhoods. It was produced by Total Television, the same company that produced the earlier King Leonardo and later Underdog, and was primarily sponsored by General Mills. Short episodes were created for YouTube in 2014 by Chuck Gamage Animation in Toronto and Cartoon Lagoon Studios in New York. Sponsored by Trick Serial, they resided on SillyChannel.com and featured new voice talent in the form of Chris Phillips, Rob Pruitt, and Ashley Albert. So... The cartoon series revolved around t- Tennessee Tuxedo the Penguin, who was voiced by Don Adams, who was uh, the star of Get Smart later on, and his bre- best friend, and his best friend Chumley the Walrus, who was voiced by Bradley Bulk, brother of Terry Toon's voice artist Dayton Allen, aka Deputy Dog. <laughs> <laughs> So, Chumley and Tennessee Tuxedo live together, not always willingly, at the Megalopolis Zoo under the control of the ill-tempered zoo director, Stanley Livingston. It's a play on the explorers Stanley and Livingstone and his zookeeper assistant, Flunky. It
0: was one of Stanley's
2: journeys (laughs) that... It was on one of Stanley's journeys that Tennessee met Stanley, and it was Chumley that Stanley had wanted as Chumley was at the South Pole, and was thus one-of-a-kind, a a South Pole walrus, because walruses don't live at the South Pole. (laughs) Right. Right. So Tennessee agreed to accompany Chumley and Stanley back to the zoo. So that's where they live. They live at the zoo, they have a lot of friends that help them out in their adventures, such as Yakety Yak, Baldy the Eagle, Peanuts the Elephant, and the Beaver Brothers. Freddy Cat, Icy Cold, the Blue Reluctant Dragon, and Alphonse the Giraffe, and the Gopher Brothers. There's a wow. whole bunch of others. <laughs> um, so it's a, it's a really fun, cute little cartoon. And let's listen to a little bit of Chubby.
1: Ridiculous. This is ridiculous. That measly little light bulb doesn't give enough light for a mouse to read by. We've got to do something about it. Uh, you're absolutely right, Tennessee. How about if I give it a good yank and... No, Chumley, we can't pull the light down closer to the paper, but we can get the paper up closer to the light. Here, give me a hand stacking up these boxes. Well, sir, this is more like it. Now, Chumley. Will you please toss up the sports section? Uh, I'll bring it myself. No, Chumley, don't climb up. (laughs) You can't. There isn't... (laughs) Chumley! Who turned off the lights? Turn on the lights. (laughs) One of these days, Chumley... (laughs)
0: <laughs> One of these days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chumley!
2: Poor Chumley. So Chum- Chumley's <laughs> little catchphrase would have been like, "Okay, Tennessee." <laughs> kind of the the uh, the foil to Tennessee's uh, jokes and stuff and all that. So yeah. Burp, burp, burp. Chumley
0: loves. <laughs> I like to eat. Oh, I like to eat too. I don't know if I would eat a walrus or not. I don't think I would.
2: No, I don't think so.
0: Yeah. They're still hunted. Inuit people are still allowed to hunt walrus. As yeah, long but they, they only
2: take one at a time, and they use right. the whole thing, and they're like, you know, ecologically conscious about it and stuff.
0: Sure. I think if one of those guys gave me a piece of walrus to taste, maybe, but... I don't know. I, if I
2: could sit down with an Inuit person and and eat some walrus while talking to them, I would do it. But otherwise I don't think I don't think I would be interested.
0: Yeah. Alright, well <laughs> <not> much <laughs> more it. to say about that. No, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Donna. Yes. Is your brain a vast wasteland of useless information like mine is? Not today. Oh, no. Well, let's try <laughs> to help everybody win that next trivia night or just sound smarter than the rest of the room with the animal fact of the week.
1: Is this your homework, Larry? Like,
0: man.
2: <laughs> Do, please.
0: So walruses are actually pretty deadly, and yeah. even with their tusks, uh, they seem like big, gushy, harmless, clam-eating, wonderful creatures, but in an environment where clams are running a little bit low, they're going to use those tusks to kill and eat seals, They'll chase ducks around in in an attempt to eat them. Sometimes polar bears will attack walruses, which is actually kind of funny to watch because they just sort of slide off a walrus. So they're usually pretty unsuccessful. And if a polar bear is gored to death by a tusk, which does happen, that too is a meal for a walrus. Uh, If they can get their tusks into a narwhal, they'll eat that. It's just that clams are the easy meal, and that's what they eat the most out of, but that's not the only thing that they'll eat. And the article I got this from had comments on the bottom, and one of the comments says, anything with huge daggers hanging from their mouth really doesn't need a warning label. Am I right?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's cool. Yeah.
2: Alright, well, here's some, here's a bullet point list of fun facts about walruses. Alright, Go. When says go down to the bottom of the ocean to go dig for clams on the seabed, they can pull all the blood in their body away from their extremities to warm their core and their brain while they're down there looking around for clams and stuff because it's super cold and you don't want your brain and organs to freeze. So they can pull the blood in to circulate and keep everything warm. And that's wow. why they come up with those icy-looking blobs all over them it's just skin that's gotten frozen (laughs) wow i don't know if it's frozen all the way through or just like with ice all over it or whatever but that's why they look like that when they come up from that depth and then presumably it reheats and then they look normal again (laughs) (laughs) wow that's cool yeah walrus calls can be heard 1.6 miles away
0: yeah walruses are loud
2: yeah, it was told by, told to scientists by Inuit Native Americans, and then they tested it and said, yep, that's in fact true. So, this is kind of sad, only about 20% of the calves survive and okay. in walruses, and that's really low. 20% is one-fifth of baby walruses will make it to adulthood. And
0: Wow, why do, this, what do they attribute that to?
2: Uh, it's mostly global warming and an increase in algaes right now that carry stuff that kills them.
0: Oh, so. man. Wow. Okay.
2: Yep. So they're going to have to evolve around that, and we just kind of hope they have enough time. So. Yeah. Grooming takes up the majority of their time <laughs> because they have a lot of skin <laughs> parasites. So so that's what they do for most of the time. Grooming, sleeping, and then foraging. So. Moms actually leave the herd to give birth to the babies, and nobody really knows why this is, but a guess is because the babies are 100 pounds when they're born, and the mommy is 1,500 pounds,
0: Right. <laughs> so
2: she probably doesn't want him, you know, in a place where he's gonna get squished.
0: Yeah, a big ice floe packed with walruses is probably not a great place for a baby walrus.
2: Yep. They give birth on an ice floe, and then within hours, she's teaching him to swim and stuff. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One of the first things that mommy will do with the baby when he's just born is they shove their faces together so that they can memorize each other's features with their whiskers.
0: Oh, that's (laughs) cute.
2: (laughs) The baby gains 1.5 pounds a day. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, the mommies hug their babies. Aww. Yeah, they're not, I don't understand why all this, if their skin isn't touch sensitive, why they'd be hugging the baby, but I suppose it's just to keep him near so that, or her, keep the baby near so that she doesn't lose track of him, because she won't let him stay away from her touch um, for a very long time. He has to get pretty big before she'll let him kind of go out on his own, so.
0: I'm just thinking that uh, Thanksgiving was Thursday, and we're recording uh-huh. this on a Sunday afternoon. And there's probably a lot of people out there that feel like they have gained 1.5 pounds per day since Thursday, <laughs>
2: <laughs> possibly more.
0: <laughs> now you know how a baby walrus feels.
2: <laughs> except, except they wouldn't be like bloated and unhappy. Be <laughs> yeah, like-
0: <laughs> and filled with shame. Yes. <laughs> Oh jeez. Yep. (laughs) Very cool.
2: (laughs) Baby walruses are freaking adorable. Oh Oh, my gosh. (gasps) So cute. (laughs) That's facts about the walrus.
0: Walruses are (laughs) awesome.
2: (laughs) Facts about the walrus. (laughs) They're great. There.
0: Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Varmint's podcast. We really do appreciate it. This podcast is brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo and music, as always, by Kevin McLeod. Thanks, guys. And by you, the Patreon supporter. Thank you so much for kicking in a dollar or two to Blazing Caribou Studios every month to make sure that we have the bandwidth to keep bringing you this podcast. We really do appreciate it. And on our Rugrat Corner this week, Story has something to say about walruses, and she just gets right to the point.
2: Nice. Hi, I'm going to tell you about wal- walruses. They have big tusks. Their, their skin is rubber, and their, their rubber skin is brown. They can, they can be underwater for lots of times. And they like to eat fish, and they have babies. <laughs> and they're mammals that can swim. And they have tiny eyes that we can barely see them, and that's it. (laughs) That's pretty good. (laughs) Excellent summary of the walrus. (laughs) They eat fish and they have babies. You know, what else do you need?
0: That's about it. Thank you, story. (laughs) And, Story? and thank you to her dad chris brayton from the more gooder than podcast thanks chris
2: Yay! Yay. Thanks, Chris.
0: <laughs> and thanks everybody again for listening and until next time
2: um uh, be kind to animals
1: you've been listening to a blazing caribou studios production support and subscribe to our patreon at patreon.com slash blazing caribou studios
0: we are off to a good start yeah